My name is Stephen King. I've written several motion pictures, but I want to tell you about a movie called Maximum Overdrive, which is the first one I've directed. Wow. What in the dickens is going on around here? A lot of people have directed Stephen King novels and stories. And I finally decided if you want something done right, you ought to do it yourself. Who was driving it? I don't know. It was my first picture as a director, and you know something? I sort of enjoyed it. What is going on? I don't know! I just wanted someone to do Stephen King right. You want a war? You got one. I just want to get the hell out of here. So come and spend some time with me and my friends at the Dixie Boy. Spend some time in the dark. Please don't let this be in the dark. Help me. I'm going to scare the hell out of you. And that's a promise. You're going to get us in an awful lot of trouble, man. We already in trouble. Maximum terror. Jesus coming and he is. Maximum king. Maybe tomorrow will be our world again. Dino De Laurentiis presents Stephen King's Maximum Overdrive. I am from beyond. Listen, and all you desire will be yours. Welcome to Spider-Man and the Secret Wars. Prepare for battle. Welcome to Prattle World. I am your host, the ever-amazing, ever-spectacular Spider-Dan. And in this podcast, I spotlight entertainment's best-kept secrets that a mainstream audience may find boring. And welcome to Secret Ball Stories, where I invite guests to count down a personal top five list in high-fidelity fashion. And have we got a big, juicy, hard cover for you of terrifying tales from the master of horror, Stephen King. For we here today, this circle of, we'll, we'll say friends, we'll say friends. We're not necessarily enemies, not yet, but we may be at the end of this podcast. And we're going to list our top five favorite Stephen King adaptations, be they comics, movies, TV, whatever. And we have joined with us today in this sacred of ceremonies. We have Paul Meller, one of my best and most ardent fans, also one of our givers on Patreon, which we are very, very thankful for. Uh, welcome, Paul. Hi there. Hello. Hello. Great to uh, be here. I'm very glad to have you on. I'm very excited that you picked this topic because I think it's going to be a very interesting topic. Uh, and we also have Dennis, and he is also here. Thanks. Hello. He is, he is here, as as per usual, as my little Igor in my little Frankenstein's monster of a podcast. Um, welcome back, Dennis. It's good to see you, or not see you, rather. It is It is always a pleasure, never a chore. So we've got, we've got an interesting um, set of people, because we have Paul, 
who absolutely adores Stephen King, and this was his choice as um, he's a big fan. Um, and I said, yep, yeah, sounds good. Let's go for it. I'm kind of middle of the road. I kind of like some Stephen King stuff and some of the stuff I'm not that keen on. But Dennis absolutely despises Stephen King. So it's going to be a very balanced podcast, I believe. Um, but Paul, before we get started, can you tell uh-huh. us tell us why you love Stephen King so much? Well, I guess it's, it's, he just covers so many genres. Um, he was definitely my first foray into horror was through one of the things we're going to talk about today, through Stephen King. I know that's probably what he's most known for. But then the fantasy stuff, I think one of the earliest books I had bought for me was a, was a Stephen King. It was a big hardback book called uh, Eye of the Dragon, I think it's called. And, uh, and and I don't have the book anymore because for whatever reason, I lost it when I, when I grew up, as you, do, as you tend to do. But I remember that being a fantasy book. And then it tied into other books I read when I was growing up uh, as I got older, the Dark Tower series. He's just got loads of, you know, loads of media. He, he, he seems to be all around us. And he's having a bit of a resurgence as well at the moment. So he's always on Netflix and, and uh, Amazon Prime. And and there's, there's, I think a new series started this week. So he's it, it, um, really enjoys his work, you know. I know yeah, I'm following him on Twitter. He's good on Twitter. He's good for Yeah, I've, I've seen I've seen some of the stuff he posted. I think he went out after uh, old J.K. Rowling recently, which I was happy to see because um, <laughs> she's she's a bit of a nasty piece of work at the moment. Um, maybe she always was. Uh, who knows? But uh, yeah, you're, you're right. He is having a bit of a renaissance. There's a lot of remakes and adaptations. More, I think there was over forty. I saw in a, the IMD. B page that are coming out, um, which I'm sure Dennis really? Dennis is very happy about. I'm sure Dennis, why don't you tell us why you don't like Stephen King so much? Because he's shit. <laughs> please, 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 please elaborate on those strong words. It's it's books are always um, kind of too wordy. Not enough happens in it. He likes to describe too much. You know, I think I've started half a dozen of his books and never finished them because frankly, life is too short. I think his movies, the ones that everyone raves about, are only good because of the production values and the actors that are in it. I think if you take them away from it, they're shit. And this this has been really difficult for me. It's, it's almost like you've asked me to choose my top five X Factor finalists. <laughs> <laughs> I would I'm struggle really with that too. That. I'm um, really shocked. I just I just find like don't get me wrong, you know, there are there are good good movies out there that he, that that have been done but the the main ones that have done been done well are kind of his novellas and his short stories because i think people find it really hard adapting basically the tripe he writes on paper constantly well i mean i mean there's obviously a lot more creative license if you have a shorter story so you can kind of there's a bit more kind of, i know i know there's a few adaptations like lawnmower man was basically a comic book and it was like we'll take the name we'll take stephen king's name and we'll just make our own film you know it, it does it does seem to happen it does seem to kind of haunt him a little bit i think um you know he's, he's a very interesting man he's had a lot of ups and downs in his career and personal life um but yeah i i, I i'm keen on a quite a bit of his quite a bit of his work i i will admit i've never read a single i've never read a single stephen king book be it novella or whatever i have seen a fair few of his his films that are based on those um but I, I can't say i've ever read a book myself so maybe this is the time for me to pick up one of those and don't and see, do it and see don't if paul it. is right or is is dennis right do it <sighs> don't do it. It, it i i stopped reading salem's lot 
because I got that bored with the description of the street. I was looking for a rickety old stool and a bit of rope. I just, oh. I just, he's just so, he doesn't need to put so much fat on it. Because when he writes, when he, when he writes his novellas, he's straight in there. It's, it, they're quite good. But it's like, is is 900 pages. And you think, oh, this could have been done in like, 200 there's just no need describing buttons and leaves falling off like the rooftops and someone's gutter do we need to know that i think not part of reading is using imagination i don't think stephen king realizes that i like to use my imagination strong words paul what would you say to that so yeah he is he is thorough in terms of his uh, his descriptive writing and and the way he uh he he does describe things in his stories i think adds as to, as to the uh, to the imagination, you know, don't get me wrong. The, the, some of the books I've read are, are probably overly long. You know, the, there are some books in the Dark, Dark Tower series of books that that are very very weighty and probably could be trimmed back a little bit. But I think a lot of the the other work he puts in it seems to to just just add add value to this. And I think some of that filters through to the to the to the films or not. No, I, I this kind of disagree with you really. I think yeah. it's, uh, Unfortunately, Paul, you're wrong. It's, it's, <laughs> Give me a good but James Herbert or Clive Barker or something like that. So give me something that, you know, you don't have to read 250 pages before you actually anything happens. I must I must admit, I, you know, I, did, I, I struggled as, as as a younger reader trying to access the, the, the books because they haven't, they are uh, certainly like, like, I think Sam's Lot was one of the first ones I tried to read and I couldn't read it. I was too young. Didn't seem to, to sit, sit right with it, but I can read that sort of, sort of book now and it's uh, you kind of get it feels better so I, I no i don't know I, I feel a little bit differently but I, you know he's, he's equally good in you know in some of the comic book stuff he does as well so true that is true i've read some of the comic book stuff um but mm-hmm. I, I don't want this to just be a discussion about stephen king we've no, got no, we've got to list this top five but i just thought i thought we'd get that out of the way and we'll see we'll see what <laughs> dennis feels about your choices and what Paul feels about Dennis's choices. We will see. But I'd like you as the guest, and as your first time on the podcast, Paul, I'd like you to go first. So what is the first Stephen King adaptation in your top five? Okay. So so my just to set the scene, my, my top five uh, sort of based on, on sort of the, the things that I watched as, as a younger person that, that sort of stuck with me. And then I, I've, been, I've been back to and watched several times. So I'm sort of the older adaptations and they're all movies i pick movies so that's where i'm that's just setting the scene for, for me uh, but my number five is is uh is 1983's christine she'll possess you then destroy you she's death on wheels that was the tagline yeah great great uh great um film for john carpenter quality directors that's my number five it's about something wrong with it you know a man dies on the production line and then um, you know, another uh, another guy gets his hand crushed, and then and then uh, we cut forward to 1978, and and we've got the story of this this car that gets bought by this teenage guy at high school in America, and then and then and then how that uh, and and, be, and takes over his life and 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 becomes a, a demonic possessed car that that uh, the wreaks havoc on the on the on the, uh, the the kid and his friends. It's a uh, it's a it's a you know it's, it's a really well shot. It's like it's like the original. Uh, Herbie, well, maybe maybe Herbie came first. Maybe it's a spin on Herbie, the de- <laughs> deadly Herbie. Maybe it's been called. But, uh, no, I think it's got some really really cool moments in, in, in the film. Some really iconic moments. There's, there's a bit where 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 the, the the car's been trashed, 
uh, by a group of the, the sort of local bullies. Uh, the, this guy spent the, the main character um, Arnie Cunningham has, has, has spent weeks, months doing the car up, and it, it's absolutely you know superb. And it's influencing him. He's, he's, he's dressed all in black. He's, he's you know he's, he's rubbing off on his personality. He's taking over his life. These bullies, and it's and it, and it starts to rebuild itself in front of him. And he just says, "Show me," and then the, the car rebuilds itself. Lots of lens flare, and it's just a really, really cool, cool film. Lots of great songs in the soundtrack. You know, it opens up with uh, uh, "Bad to the Bone," is, is uh, you know, as the car's being built, and, and it just sets the scene. Yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed Christine. I saw it fairly recently. I think the last year or so, it was one of the John. I love John Carpenter, so I was like, you know, there's always like one or two films you end up missing out of the kind of. Uh, filmography and I was like oh I've never never seen this one I'll give it a go and it's it's a very it's very different from like what I would expect a John Carpenter film to be but yeah it's kind of like it's almost like Herbie fully murderous or something yeah um the the idea of a killer car is you know it's quite there's so many films about kind of killer cars or like films like Jewel as well like those kind of things um you know they're on the road and the the dangers of the road and stuff um yeah I think I think it's a lot of fun I think it's I think it's great I I like the that you have an obsession and that obsession can become too much it can take over your life um and you know dominate it and destroy anything that you have a semblance of a life because that obsession just becomes all consuming um yeah excellent choice paul very very good choice i think so i'm not sure what dennis will think it's not a bad movie but i like it because it's a john carpenter movie not because it's stephen king okay so so you think john carpenter's eye behind the camera it yeah enhances that story well he more. did a lot of work and he wrote, rewrote bits of it and changed bits and did this and the other to make it a little bit more kind of the flow of the flow of the film change better but no i, I don't I, I i actually think it's a good movie yeah it's not a terrible movie at all and that that scene what paul was talking about then when you know the car rebuilds itself is is stands up really well today as well Oh yeah, the the special effect on that. Yeah, and, pl- and plus, how many how many films do you see where the finale is this? You know, this uh, this car, this gorgeous nineteen fifties car versus a fucking you know like a bulldozer, basically. And, and like that's that's like a, a you know a, if you're a, if you're a kid with your toy cars, that's the kind of like car battle you kind of wanted. You smash them together. So I love that bit. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. They used to these twenty four cars they make another film. Well, I mean, I mean, you've got to smash those cars. You've got to smash those cars. You know, it's not, it's not like a Fast and the Furious where it's all CG nowadays for the most part. Um, you know, exactly. it's, it was actual stunt drivers, actual people, actual cars doing all that stuff. You know, I think, like, I think that's the thing about again. There's this the, the Renaissance we're seeing, and some great, great versions coming out. You know, and and I do like a lot of them, uh, but they are enhanced a lot by the special effects, and I think sometimes that can really embellish the story but maybe influence it a little bit and make it a little bit too fancy for its own good i don't know there's, there's something about old school special effects that really makes things you know look well on, on, on film and, and you can kind of tell a lot of the green screen stuff takes away from that or can do if, if it's done badly okay so my number five is is a very very similar very much on a similar lines of uh automobiles coming to life it is Maximum Overdrive. <laughs> so this this film is not necessarily good, but it is dumb, fun, silliness. It's not particularly scary, 
but I had a hell of a lot of fun watching it. You've got Emilio Estevez, you've got the Commissioner Gordon from the Tim Burton films, Esther, you know, uh, Giancarlo Esposito, loads of loads of recognizable faces, and they're all stuck in this diner. And what happens is a meteor passes over the planet uh, for like three days or something, and the energy this meteor gives off, some reason unexplained reason really all the machines in the world come to life and it is absolutely mental you got drawbridges just opening up at random people are going down into the river dying um one of my favorite scenes involves a little uh, like a little league baseball kids team and the the coach goes to get them some drinks and this this coke machine just shoots out cans of coke into the guy's bollocks and then into his head killing him and then a kid gets run over by a steamroller, like, and you see it, like, it's pretty, it's pretty gruesome, pretty brutal, and you see the whole damn thing. And I kind of love the ballsiness of that. And Stephen King makes a cameo very early on where he's trying to get money out of a cash machine, and it basically the cash machine <laughs> just says, "Fuck you." Um, and I think Stephen King is kind of saying that to the audience a little bit and the people that maybe liked some of the films that he didn't necessarily like, like The Shining or something. Yeah. <laughs> it is absolutely it's mental. It's a great choice. That's an <laughs> awesome choice. That's one I, I haven't seen for years, but it's a really, really good film. Great soundtrack as well. Oh, from, yeah, ACDC. ACDC yeah. do the entire soundtrack. And what's not to love about ACDC? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. What's <laughs> the practical effects again. You know, exactly, that, big that explosions. Era. You've got the cars. You've got this like there's like a like like a Rambo style gun just shooting by itself. Uh, I will say, not a lot of the acting is great. Um, there's a there's a woman in it who's who goes what I like to call full retard. If we're referencing Tropic, <laughs> Tropic Thunder, because she's like, we made you, we made you, and she's just that's basically all she does in the entire film. Um, yeah, again, again, paper thin characters, but bloody hell, what what a concept and what fun! And, and you know, I'm a big Spider Man fan, and the main villain in this is a gigantic toy truck, and the front of the truck has the face of the Green Goblin, uh, which I think is scary personally. Again, yes. it, it, there's a little bit of Christine in there, maybe a little bit of Jewel in there as well. But I had a lot of fun with it, and I, I, I can see why people wouldn't like it and would think it was a shit film because. It is, <laughs> but um, but I I personally loved it. I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was a lot of fun, and again, it's and Stephen King directed it himself, coked up Stephen, yeah. the best kind of Stephen King you can get, um, absolutely off off his head on uh, on what whatever it may be. <laughs> And and he was like, I want to direct it. But he said that, you know, people are like, why didn't you direct again? He was like, have you seen Maximum Overdrive? Um, <laughs> I will never direct again. Is that the only film he directed? The yeah. only one, the only one. Because hey. Yeah, he produced it as well. There's a, there's a great trailer where he's like, he's just looking, completely coked up, looking at camera like, I'm going to scare the pants off you. And it's just like, it's, it's <laughs> probably, it's that trailer is probably scarier than the entire film itself. But yeah, I had a lot of fun with it. Again, not necessarily the scariest, but it's it's a, a dumb. If you've got an hour and a half to just you know just have a bit of fun with, that is yeah. the film to have some fun with. It's definitely one of those. Um, yeah, I love it. Dennis, have you any thoughts on Maximum Overdrive? Yeah, it's cool. See, you. I don't think you hate Stephen King as much as you think. I watched it many many years ago, um, and for the same reasons you are. You know, the Killer Little League team with 
cans of coke you know what's not to love about it <laughs> you know i yeah. hate children so it's great <laughs> <laughs> um and the soundtrack's great yeah yeah <laughs> well i like i like my daughter and i like your daughter but apart from that i pretty much hate every other child on the planet Look, um, bloody, bloody scum get him killed yeah get him killed. but get no him it's it's the soundtrack's great you know growing up in a house with iron maiden acdc metallica like you know rock music and yeah. stuff it was good to see it in a movie um, I love the um, Green Goblin truck. It's very iconic. Mm. Um, and I agree with you with the acting. It's 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 not great, but, you yeah. know, it's it's entertaining. It's entertaining. It's 90 minutes as well. This, yeah. The one good thing about a lot of the early Stephen King films, they're only 90 minutes long. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, some of the, 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 you know, the new ones, you know, every, every film that comes out these days seems to be two and a half hours, so. Yeah. True. That is true. Most of the comic book films, uh, they're all at least, you know, well, look at the Snyder Cut. If we're talking long films, that is one long film. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But you don't always need, you know, length isn't everything. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, cool. I mean, I mean, and 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 Dennis has said the same about Stephen King's books, you know, some of them are maybe a bit yeah. too long, a bit too long. Maybe. But uh, speaking of Dennis, let's crack on with his first of his five. Uh, what what would what would that be? Or, 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 or Dennis's isn't necessarily top five best Stephen King adaptation. It's the the top five least shit Stephen King adaptations. I think. Yeah, and I, and it's I've gone kind of I've not gone for the, the the big ones like Misery and stuff like that because everybody's seen them. Everyone kind of you know has opinions about them. I've gone from maybe a little bit more obscure ones apart from one, but um, I'm starting off with Thinner. Bit of Thinner. <laughs> it's a bit of body horror, which I quite like. Absolutely silly as fuck. <laughs> it, is, it, is, it makes no sense at all. Um, the fat suit, when the, the, the guy comes out, the lawyer comes out, start off with, you can, it just looks like a fat suit. It makes kind of like um, any other fat suit look state of the art. Um, even even uh, even Big Mama's house looks better than that. Yeah, yeah, and it's got it's got some like really weird scenes in it. Like, and he's always manic, so he, he's obviously always on sugar. But every time you see him, his eyes are going everywhere. The the lawyer and stuff. So, you know, the basic premise is the lawyers. Um, this just proves that no good comes from um, oral sex. <laughs> <laughs> oh, of course, he crashes the car into the yeah. Uh, because you've got because you've got like Army of the Dead, and and this one now which proves oral sex is dreadful. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> especially when driving. Yeah, and you he, could. basically some 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 gypsies move in, which is um, I just the kind of racismy type stuff towards these gypsies is like yeah, it's quite proper, yeah. kind of. It's the, the one um, thing that hasn't aged well about that is the kind no, of no no tra- traveling folk gypsy yeah yeah Romani and they kind of. Gives him like there's a penny, he goes short, short to show's uh, uh, front bum or whatever, and um, she's actually really hot as well. Um, one of them, one of the the gypsies in it, and she does throw this and she little bit of magicy stuff. But basically, the premise is he runs over this this old gypsy lady, um, mm. and because he's a lawyer and quite in with the crowd, um, he kind of gets off with it. Well, he does get off with it, you know. Even the the, the police officer who goes to the scene doesn't even breathalyze him doesn't do any of that so he basically gets away with it as he come out of court this old gypsy person just touches his face and says thinner but then he starts losing weight which you know we all we all want to do but he loses it quite fast and he starts piecing it together that other people within that courtroom the policeman the judge they've also been touched by this gypsy type person um 
and they're also experiencing some sort of body horror. Um, so you've got one who's turning into kind of like a lizardy, leathery face thing. You've got another one whose face is full of boils and hands are fat and joining together and stuff. Um, so he kind of pieces it all together. No one believes him. Um, his doctor is probably banging his wife, but, you know, you would, wouldn't you? Because <laughs> it's just one of those things in, in these books. And it's just, I like it. I liked it because it's absolutely stupid and and silly. And there's the, the scene at the end, because basically, you know, spoiler, he gets given a pie with, with this blood in it. And, and the, the gypsy guy says to him, you know, whoever eats, you, you know, whoever eats this, you pass on the kind of curse to it. His adultery wife gets to eat the pie first and he wakes up in bed with her and she's like all disappeared and stuff. He looks in a little bit lovely. And then his daughter eats the pie, but you don't, you yeah. don't, you don't see what happens to her. But then the doctor turns up and he kind of, <laughs> it's almost like he gives you a wink. So he lets, he lets the doctor and says, no, come and have some breakfast pie with me. And he almost yeah, looks at the camera and goes, yeah. <laughs> and shuts I think he's the door. Gonna, he looks like he's going to eat the pie, doesn't he? And then the doctor yeah. turns up. Yeah, yeah and the doctor great. turns up and goes, give him the pie. Like I know, yeah. I know in the, in, in the novella, he and his daughter eats, eats the pie. The producers didn't like the ending. They thought it was a bit too bleak. I'm not bothered either way. I just think it's fun. I just think it's really, really silly. I quite like the effects when he's losing his weight. You know, his ribs get, you can, you, there's a bit where he lifts his top up and his ribs yeah. are showing and um, all the shading and stuff on it. And I think, again, the, the, the acting is camp. He's so camp. I can't remember his name, but he is, he's unbelievably camp in it. And the first 20 minutes where his eyes are like, yeah, spinning around every every time he sees a pretty lady, he's like, oh, oh, oh. he's um, yeah, he's a bit of a goofball, isn't he? He's a bit like, over, yeah, he's a little over yeah. the top about. It. He's like, oh, well, I'm a bit yeah. fat. I'm a fat and, man. Yeah, and, and and even when he's like losing weight, he's eating all these calories to try to put weight back yeah. on to prove it's something. And it's it's the way he eats as well. I was, he's hooked up with a mafia as well, and he's he's, he's yeah. into like a mafia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy from um, Criminal <laughs> Minds as well. Yeah, he's got he's got him off on summer. Um, but no, yeah. it's 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 enjoyable. It's silly. It's not going to win any prizes for best movie in the world. It's it's one of the best of the bad bunch. Paul, what is your next one? My next one is uh, another oldie, but a goodie. Uh, 1987's The Dead Zone. Again, another cracking director, uh, David Cronenberg. It's got Christopher Walken in it as the lead character, Johnny Smith. Uh, Martin Sheen as a dodgy politician, Greg Stilson. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's again, and it's got a great soundtrack again, an eerie soundtrack by uh, Michael Kamen. Um, it's just, it's just uh, again, nice. It's a tight story. Basically, Johnny's a teacher, has a car accident. His life's all set up before this. He has a car accident, makes the wrong choice, goes home in, in a bad weather, bad weather. Car accident, wakes up five years later, you know, with, with no disabilities, but uh, he's got psychic powers. And the, these psychic powers, unfold as, as the movie goes on uh, and he starts to get visions and that's his dead well, it becomes his dead zone. It's a bit of a triptych of, of stories because you've got like as his powers develop the, you sort of find his feet with them a little bit uh, from you know basically helping police hunt a serial killer to um, you know and, he, and, he, and, he, and that doesn't go quite so so well for him and then and then he, he sort of he starts to reject things a little bit and he, he tries to isolate himself a little bit but he's also getting Headaches and, and Christopher Walken's acting is really good. You know he's 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 bang on with it, and he's and he you know 
he's uh, you can you can see he's really struggling with the with his with his pain. He's having headaches. He's also working with the doctor who who, who uh, helped him convalesce, and then he and then he, then he basically helps save a pupil of his. He's still teaching, but privately helps save save this pupil and realizes, oh, we can change the, the future here. And then, uh, and then and then the final part of the triptych, the final third of the third story is, is basically averting a nuclear war. He has his vision, meets the meets the meets the uh, the politician. Mm-hmm. And he sort of like it sinks into him that he, he can he can he can change he can change history here. Nobody will understand it, but uh, so he so he asks his doctors, so what could you, what would you do if you you know if you could kill Hitler? What would you do? And uh, and you know his doctor said, well, I, you know I'm a doctor, I, I'm there to save lives, and, and he's suffering, so I'll kill the bastard. <laughs> <laughs> so so, you know, so he's, was, like, he's like and he's like yeah. a, he's like a Polish immigrant as well, and I think Johnny yeah. Johnny yeah, helps. Helps him find his mother, who he thought was dead. You're right. You're right. You're right. There's a, there's a little little precursor there where he sort of says, you know, and he, and, and he starts to, to realize that he can he can use these psychic powers to find things. Yeah. So it's a, it's not really good. You know, I think another one of these that, that Stephen King said was changed from the novel, but he, I think he's stated that it, it improved and intensified the narrative, the way it'd been, you know, screen the screenplay was written, and uh, it, was, it was really good. I really enjoyed that film. Yeah, that's definitely one of my absolute favourites. One of my favourite Cronenbergs. One of my favourite Christopher Walken performances. It's dark. It's disturbing. Yet it's like quite sweet as well. Um, yeah, and there's, there's an, inno- an innocence to it, and to to Johnny, Johnny. You might as well have just called him the protagonist, mightn't you, Johnny Smith? Yeah. Um, oh, what a name! What, Smith. what, a name. <laughs> what an original name, Stephen. How did you come up with it? Um, you know, and, and you do see a lot of these kind of broken characters from Stephen King. You know, they're either alcoholics, they're injured, or you know, they're a bit twisted up about something. Um, but I think Johnny's like a, quite a likable character, and even Christopher Walken, who you know, you see him a lot of these kind of villainous or gangster roles. It brings a lot to it. Um, you know, before before he go has the accident and after. Um, mm-hmm. And I like I like it's like a series of kind of incidents and events. It's almost kind of um, it's almost like issues of a comic book. Almost, you know, you have the yes, you know, it's the, you know the issue of him with the accident and the emergence of the powers, then the serial killer stuff, and then the mm-hmm. new. It kind of just ramps up as the as the film goes on and I've I've always really enjoyed that and you know it's that whole I talked about it in my uh, worst politicians episode we did the podcast um and Greg Greg Stilson is like one of the most kind of like chilling evil villains um I, yeah I bloody love this film couldn't couldn't agree more Paul what an excellent choice like Dennis, Dennis have you seen it unfortunately Not like I didn't it. want this I didn't want this film to come up because I fucking love it <laughs> and I love the TV series. Well, I you haven't know, seen the TV series, but so. TV series is, is a little bit more kind of um, very formula, a bit like X Files, you know, villain of the week type stuff. But I yeah. agree with everything you're saying. One of my favorite Cronenberg movies, because um, Walken's absolutely amazing in it. I think, you know, you push yourself in those. But what would you do if you could change the future? What would you do? Mm. It's great. It's a, it's, a, it's 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 an absolute triumph. See, Unfortunately, I don't, I don't think you. I think you love Stephen King secretly, Dennis. I don't think you. I don't think you think he's shit at all. I wouldn't piss on a movie on fire. We don't mind some of his films. It's one of the films. <laughs> well, unfortunately, Paul, that was my number four. 
Was it? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Do you want to yeah. do you want to talk do you want to talk about it a little more, Dennis? Like, no, I think you both. I think you no, I think you both covered it. You said what I would say about it. Um, I've seen it loads. It's one of those movies that whenever I'm flicking on TV and it's on, I will watch it. Yeah, I, I'm I'm the same. I'll I'll find some way to watch it. Um, I I always think that that whole scene with this, the pair of scissors. Do you remember that scene when he yeah. when they discover the serial killer and he he basically forces his head down onto a pair of scissors scissors because he knows he's been found out and it's yeah that always sends chills up my spine and, and again it's it's because kind of you don't see it you don't see it mm. happen you kind of go like Ooh! you know it's it's like when someone slits their wrists or something you're a bit like Ooh! or like cuts their neck yeah. open it's one of them for me i will go back to one of my original points mm-hmm. it's a cronenberg movie mm. it's not a stephen king movie and I think that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about adaptation. We're talking about yeah. creative license. Yeah. And we're talking he changed about what you do. A lot of, yeah. He changed an absolute lot of, of mm. and it, you know, it didn't, like like Paul was saying, it did improve the movie. The book is, it's it's almost like treading through kind of swamp, trying to read it, um, where Cronenberg kind of streamlined it and made it a far more enjoyable experience. But again, it's, like I said originally, you know, Stephen King ones, it's the directors and, and the adaptation of what make it. But anyway, moving on. Great stuff. Um, right. So my next one. So a lot of his, a lot of the more popular Stephen King films like Green Mile or Shawshank are not actually mm. super, not really that supernatural, not really that horrific. I mean, Green Mile is supernatural and, you know, there's other stuff, but a lot of them seem to be more like not necessarily geared towards horror. They're more like a drama. So my next pick is actually Dolores Claiborne, which I think is a really tense kind of thrilling drama. Um, We get Kathy Bates comes back, um, you know, after being in misery and she takes on the lead role of Dolores Claiborne. And she is a kind of, she, she lives in Maine. Surprise, surprise. Like most of the, most of the books take. Yeah. They, Castle they, Rock, is it? No. <laughs> it might as well be. Um, but, uh, but she, uh, she basically is this older lady who takes care of an even older lady and there are, something happens in a home and she's implicated in the murder because she fought this old lady falls downstairs and then she comes back out. She's got, she's got like a, a mallet or a knife or something and she goes to kill her. And then the postman walks in and like, what the hell is going on here? Um, and Christopher Plummer plays a police officer who investigated her um the disappearance of her husband years ago. And she was heavily implicated and heavily involved and suspected of killing him. So he is determined to pin this murder on her and to say, You are were attempting to murder this woman. Um, and it turns out that. Dolores didn't know this, but the woman who she worked with was very rich and put away a lot of money for her in her will. So that implicates her even further. And and the the daughter of, of Dolores comes back to help her, even though their relationship is really strained. Um, and it's it's very it's a very difficult relationship they have. And and Dolores herself is quite not a ni- necessarily that nice to people. She's quite rude and abrupt. Mm-hmm. Um, but you kind of learn throughout the story. Again, I'm, I don't want to go into spoilers because I think it's it's kind of I, I'd like people to go and watch this. Um, I found a lot of these Stephen King movies on YouTube. If you look hard enough, the full films are there, um, and this is one of them. And I, I thought it was excellent. Um, the it's it's kind of 
almost like a bit of a there's kind of a little bit of a me too vibe about it um it's about like abusive husbands um uh, children protecting children from from abusive husbands and things like that um how far would you go there's a great line in it as well that they repeat it's kind of throughout the film and it's like sometimes being a bitch is all a woman has um which i think is a, is an absolutely fantastic line um i believe this is one of stephen king's favorite adaptations as well um, and I would I would agree right. it is really really strong. The music is great. You've got a great cast. You've got Jennifer Jason Lee as the daughter, as the adult daughter who is this pill popping alcoholic because she's had some awful things happen to her in her youth and the, the difficulties with her mother and stuff. Um, but it's it's really good and, and chilling in a in a different way than you know a, a crazy killer clown or something like that. You know it's 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 a very real disturbing horror to it. Um, you know, without being out an outright horror movie, and it's it's nice and it's it's a good kind of story about family coming together and and accepting flaws in each other and 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 just coming together in 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 a way. Um, but obviously, there's still it's, it's nothing's ever perfect. But there is, you know, uh, again, don't want to spoil it, but it's it's really good. I don't know if you guys have seen it. I haven't seen it. It's one I've just missed something by. That's one I need to need to watch from the sound of things. That's really good. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I've I've tried to search for ones that are a little bit off the beef, beaten track in terms mm. of, of of Stephen King adaptations. You know, I love Carrie, I love The Shining, I love, you know, some of the obvious ones. But I wanted to kind of delve a little bit deeper and see what I could find. And this was this was yeah. one of the ones. This was one of the ones I absolutely loved um, that I found. Have you seen it, Dennis? I haven't now. No, not no. all the way. I've seen. I think I've seen snippets of it, but I've never seen it all the way. It's never really. I think it has to be a movie that you're in the mood to watch from the subject yeah. matter. It's not a ple- from what I understand no. like, what you say it's not a pleasant viewing. It's a bit like like Sleepers isn't a pleasant viewing. Yeah, but it's, it's not. It's a good movie. So there's there's elements of child abuse and and physical abuse and mental torment and things like that. So yeah, it's not it's not necessarily you know your Sunday night viewing, but I think if you if you have the time, you're in a good mental headspace. Give it, give it a watch. And, you know, I don't think you'll be disappointed. I think Kathy Bates is a phenomenal actress anyway, a phenomenal yeah. actor, and she absolutely delivers in this role as well. Excellent. I'll be on I'll, I'll on the list, that. I'll win on the list and watch it this week. <laughs> Put them all on a list. That's what this podcast <laughs> is about. Just, yeah. just make you, I'm making everyone just make a <laughs> huge list of stuff they'll never see. Um, yeah, it's a really good, something a bit different as well if you, if you want you know something a bit more real and a bit more um you know relatable necessarily yeah uh dennis you're next cool. well he stole my number four with dead zone so do you want me to do you want to go straight to paul and then we'll come back around and i'll do actually yeah unless you want to do your number three yeah yeah no no, no we'll, we'll go to paul we'll do it you know let's give let's okay. give Den- dennis time to to you know he's, he's still trying to formulate his hate for stephen king which i don't think exists okay. <laughs> so, uh, so Paul, when, when if you're if you're okay with that, okay. I'd, I'd yeah, like yeah. you to go cool. on with your next okay. one. All right. So, so this one again, we're not, we're not talking Oscar-winning performances here. We're talking something that, that sticks in my memory, and this one is is another early cheesy, very cheesy, but a goodie. And it's uh, Silver Bullet, 1985 Silver Bullet, based on the novel Cycle of the Werewolf, uh, which was based on a series of postcards drawn by Bernie Wrightson. So that's how it developed, apparently. Uh, I think it was a calendar. I think it was 12, 12 postcards in a, in a calendar, I believe. But uh, And I've got I've got the book as well. But um, 
yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a 1985 film with sort of stars of the day. Corey Haim as, 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 as a young uh, disabled boy, Marty uh, Kozlo. You've got Gary Busey as Uncle Red, Gary Busey in a round. Uh, you know, and and it's it's told from a, uh, the, the the boy's sister's perspective, but the the, the story seems to revolve around the the, the boy. Um, so you've got a really cheesy soundtrack. You've got it's sort of you know it opens with the with a, with the work. It's set in a in a small town, Tarkas Mill, Maine. Again, you know, when the, the first victim is a railroad worker gets his head torn off. You know, yes. it sort of sets the scene, and and you know it's a werewolf film. The makeup's terrible. The silver bullet itself, you know, there's a couple of silver bullets in in the film, but it's based basically what one of the silver bullets is, is this is this motorcycle wheelchair thing that, that the, the boy drives around on and, and can pull wheels, and it looks like he filmed it for real. I don't know how they did this thing, you know, and and, and in a, just a series of, of murders that the, the wolf's obviously committing. You see, you see these 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 slayings happen through the film, and then and then the sort of suspicion arrives around there. Marty has a has an incident with a well, injures it, and then and then and then the suspect becomes a you know comes onto the scene. Some great um, there's, there's, it should have been called Wolf with a Bat, Werewolf with a Bat, it should have been a baseball bat <laughs> because it's the only time I've seen a werewolf use a, a bat, a baseball bat twice in a film. Yeah, to 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 uh, to, 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 to kill people. people. Yeah, I yeah. don't know why he's just not using his claws and his teeth, but he's he's had, he's had it with the baseball bat. I'm a fan of this one, Paul, because it's kind of like, yeah. I mean, I know Dennis and I are quite kind of big werewolf kind of fans anyway. Um, but I, I love that it's kind of like a murder mystery throughout throughout like a, a space. Of yeah. I, I, I like that you kind of don't know for quite a bit of the time. And, you know, it's it's and it's this young disabled boy that's trying to solve it. I think yeah. it's got a very Goonies type vibe about it. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly it. And, and then they say, as, and I don't want to spoil it for people because I think I'm going to recommend the, the they watch it. They get. I think I had to to watch it recently. I couldn't find it on. Maybe it's on YouTube. I don't know. But I ended up buying a, buying a DVD copy of it um, via eBay. I think it was just just to get my hands on it again. Um, but uh, there's, there's some real good tense moments in it where you think, "Is that the guy? Is is that the werewolf?" And and then it starts to unfold. You know, it's got the town starts to go mad. There's a bit of a lynch mob mentality about the town, and then it, and it all culminates in a, a bit of a Gary Busey standoff. With the with, with the kids, it's it's it's, it's great. So it's got it's got it's got lots of um, scenes. And I love a werewolf film as well. They really yeah. do. Uh, those those Bernie I mean, Bernie Wrightson can draw the shit out of a werewolf. I, I love his uh, his gothic horror style. is is amazing that artwork he does. Um, you know, just all the comic books and all the other stuff. He did. Any of his illustrations are just top quality. Um, so much atmosphere, so much mood in them. And, and you definitely feel it in this film. Uh, again, like you said, some of the special effects are a bit wobbly. Um, yeah. I, I, there's a couple of great kind of like sequences, like there's the one where they're going out hunting. You've got, there's obviously, yes. an ang- there's always an angry mob. There's always an angry mob yes. go, going out yeah. doing their own vigilante justice. And they're all like, it's almost like, um, it's like that scene in The Lost World where all the raptors are going through the cornfield and just pulling them down. And yeah, great stuff. And then there's a nightmare yeah. sequence where loads of all the people in the church start turning into werewolves and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and some of them. And that one, I think, is one of the uh, and and the, there's, there's, there's certainly others that are you know directly off of the Bernie Ransom artwork. So mm. you, you know, you, 
you, you've seen on film. All right, maybe not the best best adaptation in terms of uh, technology, but you, you're seeing that that translated to a, to a film. It's, it's yeah, good. At least they try. At least they try. They give it. They give it a good stab. And again, it's not a long film. It's nice and short, sweet. It's uh, it's, it's entertaining. It's fun. I think. I think that's what we're seeing a lot of in our choices. There seems to be ones that are just we have fun with them. Always had fun with yeah. them. They're not necessarily going to send shivers up our spine, but they're they're enjoyable in a silly camp way. Um, Dennis, your thoughts on Silver Bullet? You know, I like this movie because I, I like werewolves, and I you know you could stick a werewolf and anything. I'll give it a watch, um, and I do. I think it's great. I, I, I like I like the practical effects in it. I like mm. the fact the wolf does use a bat, and he looks a bit like a bear. Um, he does look like a bear. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he does. But unfortunately, Paul, I'm going to have to set fire to your comics now because that was my number three. <laughs> right, <laughs> I well. set fire to my comics. Oh. <laughs> no, but it, I, I do love I, I sat down here the other week with um, Sarah and Amy and we watched it and they both loved it as well. And Amy likes practical effects as well. You know, there's nothing worse than seeing a werewolf CGI. You want to see him in pain and hurt a little bit and stuff, whether the effects are good mm. or not. You want that's what you want to see, and this does it. And I do like the lynch mob mentality, and I do like the kind of small town. You know, no one believes they they did it, and they did it, and they did it. So no, it's good, good movie, good choice, yeah. Paul. So oh, it so seems we, like we, we've got a lot of things in common here. You know, number four and number three, the same. Oh, see, <laughs> see, it's almost it's almost like you don't even. You, I mean, I mean <laughs> are you are you sure you hate Stephen King? Are you sure, or, yeah. or just just maybe you know good you know great minds think alike? Maybe maybe that's the. That's the situation we're in. Okay, so my number three is um, it's not it's it's a vampire tale, but it's not Salem's Lot. It is called The Night Flyer. Um, so it is about a kind of tabloid, proper like dirty, filthy, exploitative tabloid writer. Um, the, the opening scene is at, at his magazine's kind of office and he's he's shouting at the publisher going why didn't you use my photo of that dead baby um so he's obviously a likable character from the start from the very get-go <laughs> why didn't you use my photo of that dead <laughs> baby um so so we get we get right into his shoes um and he is there's a mysterious character called they call the night flyer who is basically murdering people at these very small airports He's going around, he kills somebody, he leaves, and he's in this kind of black kind of one-man flyer kind of jet thing. Not jet, but plane. Um, and the writer is kind of like, no, it sounds like this is bullshit and stuff. Um, and there's this young up-and-coming female reporter who's like, he keeps calling her Jimmy Olsen because she's like, hey, I want the next, I want the next big story. Come on, guys. So she's a bit like that. And he basically is like, this is not a business you want to get involved in. This is dirty, dark, and it can mess with your head. It can really fuck up your head if you let these these stories get to you and these people get to you. It can happen. People can just snap. And he tells this dark story of, a, of this woman who worked and, and she just like just ended up killing herself. Um, but eventually, he he just he gets more and more intrigued and more interested the more he digs into it, and it becomes an obsession. So he starts going down that kind of rabbit hole that he discussed at the start of the film, and um, and he discovers that it is a real vampire, and the vampire like dresses like like a vampire, it's <laughs> like pointy cape and everything, and you think, oh, this is ridiculous, this is stupid, but it 
kind of works. I mean, and, you, and and it doesn't overuse the vampire either. It kind of is very brief glimpses. And again, it's more atmosphere and more kind of this oncoming dread. Um, it's it's not one for jump scares. It's not one for that. Um, and what I love is the kind of parallel between this blood-sucking parasite and this tabloid journalist who is also a bit of a blood-sucking parasite as well i love that i love that it kind of they kind of rub each rub each other off rub each other off um rub off each other the the rough sounds that sounds pure filth pure filth yes. um i'd watch that stephen king movie. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so they they kind of they have this kind of he's like the the vampire keeps leading with notes and stuff and says don't don't come after me you don't want any part of this um and there's one of the best scenes. Um, I don't want to spoil it because it's so good, but there's one of the best vampire mirror scenes I've ever seen, like used so well and just, oh, it's so perfect. It you're, was, you're right. You're absolutely bang on. It's, it's great. That scene in particular. Oh, just it's so, so really good. Clever. Yeah. And I've not seen, I've not seen anything like that in, and it's a, very, a fairly low budget film. There's not much to it, but the way they did that, bathroom scene with all that because it's all mirrors pretty much all the way down this bathroom uh and the way they use it and and just that the intensity and there's again there's almost like a um a homoeroticism to it as well um the way he kind of strokes his face with his big claw finger um but yeah again i don't want to say too much about it because i think it will spoil the film it's very it's kind of an a to b type plot um but I, I loved it. I thought it was great. And you've got Miguel Ferrer, who is uh, the guy, um, Bob Morton from Robocop. And he's been in loads of other things. And he he plays a good dickhead. Like, uh, like in everything I see him, I'm like, you, I don't like you, but I also really like you as well as an actor. But the characters he's he plays... He's proper nasty in this one, isn't he? He's oh, he's a, he's a scumbag. He's a nasty piece of work. He's yeah. an absolute scumbag. Um, so, so, Paul, you've seen it. Did you, did you enjoy it? I did. Again, this... This is one that I, I, I've not, not seen. It's slipped my back, and uh, it's uh, again I don't, not one that I've seen. Sort of, you know, even on Netflix or anything like that. It's, it's, it's not one I remember, but it's uh, it's, it's really good. It's, it's it's one of them that people should should seek out and and, and watch just for the pure joy of, of a shot. Again, not not long, but. I love. I also love the design of the vampire's face when it sh- when it finally shows its kind of monstrous face. It's again unlike any vampire you've seen before. Uh, it's totally unique, totally original, and you know. And there's there's hints to this kind of old school vampire. There's got dirt in the plane. It's got a coffin. It reminded me of X Files. That yes. sort of era. It did. It, you know, it felt like an X Files. Yeah, it, 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 it I does, loved X Files. It, it's definitely got that vibe about it. I loved it. Um, I don't know if you've managed to see it. Have you, Dennis? Yes, I've seen it. Um, yeah. I used to work in a video shop when I was when I was a, a wee pup, and um, this came out, and the poster was like a hard poster, and it was um, the plane with the with the bat underneath it. Hmm. And as you moved the poster, the bat would disappear and come back again. Ah. So I thought that was really cool. So I saw the movie. Um, yeah, it's all right. Yeah, it's good. It's yeah, it is what it is. With his one big tooth, you know, yeah. <laughs> like like a big walrus or something. Yeah, yeah. It's. I think I think I, I. 
through through child children's eyes, I think I liked it. I've not watched it recently. I was gonna do. I was gonna watch because on YouTube, isn't it? Yeah. I was gonna give it um a watch, but never got around to it. So I don't know what I'd feel about it now. But at the time, I remember I love you know I love werewolves, love vampires. So again, um, it's it's okay. Hmm. Yeah, that's fair enough, and I th- I can see why people might not like it as well. Like I can see there's. You know, the I think it's probably more of a budget constraint, really. But I think the way the the way the cinematography is, and I think the way the shots are constructed, it, it just it adds something to it. And it's it's you know, I watched this in the middle of the day, but I was still like <gasps> kind of gripped to it, uh, and I really loved it. I love the intensity of it. So yeah, definitely, definitely go and seek that one out. It is on YouTube. You can find it in HD as well. Um, so go go and watch it now if you haven't seen it already. Right? Are we ba- are we back to Dennis yet? Yeah. Finally. <laughs> you two have done a lot of talking. It's your fault. Your fault. <laughs> well, you know, it's this is this is this is Paul's um moment to shine. So I don't want to take away from his glory. True, true. <laughs> I'm gonna change the orders of mine because I would I would have done silver bullet, but I actually want to talk. So I'm gonna put put one up a bit. So I'm gonna do Carrie, but the remake. I like Carrie, the original one, Brian Depart. I d- just don't think it's aged very well. Um, I think it was one of the first adaptations, Stephen King's, you know, uh, of 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 one of his works. Um, yeah, I like. I think the performances in in the remake um, are brilliant. I think Chloe's great. I think Julianne Moore's great in it. Um, I think they've updated it correctly as well. You know, with the with filming it, sticking it on mm. like YouTube, um, and you just like the Brian Tomat, you do feel sorry for Carrie. You do kind of, you know. But what I like about this one, it goes into a little bit more detail about a relationship with a mom and the, the practicing the telekinesis and being a bit more powerful with it instead of just like, you know, losing it. Like she does lose her shit, obviously, but there's a little bit more to it. And I think Julianne Moore's great as in, she's absolutely mental in it, um, but very believable in it as well. You believe that she wants to, you know, she sees the child as the spawn of Satan and, and all the rest of it and all the teenagers in it you want them to die you don't like kids it's not even that it's not it's just they're just the worst kind of stereotype of people i like stephen king does not like bullies that's what i've learned no no well there is that and when she does when the when the blood comes down i love the way it looks on her it looks you know it's you can tell it's been staged a little bit more she's got a little bit in her eye you know when she starts using the powers um that's cool as well. I like the blood coming off and the fact that she purposely tries to kill people in this one, not just kind of like dropping things down and this, that she purposely goes after people, um, which I like in it as well. Cause you, you know, mm. I like it. I like a nice bit of revenge. Um, I think the ending's a bit weak. Um, if you watch, you watch the alternative engine and ending, which is a little bit more kind of to the bone. Watch that one. But yeah, I, I I enjoy I I like her. I like I like um Chloe Grace Moretz, is it? Um, yeah, she's great. Yeah. Yeah, I think she's brilliant and she brings such a charm and such an innocence when she's when she's, you know, in the swimming pool at the beginning and you know, and that, you know, they're all gonna laugh at you line and it's it you can see that she really, really loves her mum, even though her mum treats her like crap. Hmm. Um yeah. but I, I the end sequence for me is great. I love the end sequence. I I love people getting the comeuppance when they really deserve it um and it you know was a moment and they just stole it from her 
and then she mm. loses her shit. But she also saves people as well. You know, she she does have that still still compassion with it. You know, the teachers helped her and things, similar to like the first one. So there is there is like those elements in it. But like the car bit when she just sticks her hand out, I think it's great. You know, yeah. I I like it, and I think I think it's one of those movies that came out and everyone shat on it because it was like a remake of like this much beloved movie. But from what I've I've read about it, it's one of those movies that kind of found itself in DVD and on streaming services. People have liked it, and like the mm. IMDb rating has gone up and stuff. It's in fact the IMDb rating last time was a little bit higher than the than the original carry. Wow. But it is very much for the Amy generation for me. You know, this yeah. is how can how can somebody you know in living in two thousand and I think it was nineteen or whatever not know that she has a cycle not knowing these things happen, not knowing. And it's, it's that kind of innocence about it. You just want to give her a hug and say, it's everything's going to be okay. And then when she loses shit, you're cheering for her. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. They set the story up really well, don't they? With that, yeah. just, yeah. you know, giving a bit of background. So she is why, why she, the reason why she is, why she is sort of thing. Yeah. Which, which I think is missing from, it's in the book. Um, yeah. And it's missing very much from the first movie. And, the fact that she practices using those powers, she put, she, you know, there's a bit when she's in a room and she's spinning things around her and moving mirrors and things. So she's, she's gained, she knows that she can do it and she researches it, you know, goes on the yeah. internet and researches stuff and things like that. And yeah, you know, I just, I just think it's gives, it gives this version a lot more meat on the bones for me. And that's what I like about it. I, I think, feel for I think it. Bang on. I think you're bang on because I, 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 I didn't rate, the original too highly, you know, but I think this one's better, improving. Yeah, I, I think version. so. Yeah, yeah. There is there is something a little like I've not seen the remake, so I can't comment on that. But when I look back at the original, it is very melodramatic. It is very over the top. It is like they're all going to laugh at you. They're going to laugh at you. You know, there's there's you know, it's it's a little bit much. Like you know, and she gets a period and she's like screaming and like you know, obviously it's a very troubling and worrying thing. But I don't think it would like it wouldn't come across like that. I think if it was a mod in modern day, I don't think. I think people would be more. I like to think people would be more sensitive or would would be more understanding. But you never know. Um, but you very it, much get that in this one, people. Yeah, there is a hardcore of bitches in it hmm. who, but there were, there's people saying, you know, I took part, but I feel crap about it now. Hmm. You know, people who want to try to change things and stuff, which you didn't really get in in the first one. Um, I I like it. I think it's great. I think anyone who's not seen the remake and has this kind of fondness, because I think again, the first one's a Prime Department movie. You know, all the angles come up to the eyes and all this kind of like the 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 um screens soft, when the bit of focus yeah and that the screen be moved on its side and all that. it's very kind of trippy well this one isn't do you cgi in it because they do you know because that's what they do but for me mm. it, i just think it's much better i think it shows she shows that she's angry it's pure rage that she's at. and it's not pure rage because what they've done to her it's pure rage what they've done to somebody else and i'm yeah. gonna leave it there very good very good sounds sounds Great, uh, guys. Sounds like one I need to watch as well because I, I I like all I like I love Julianne Moore I like Chloe Grace Moretz so like when they, when they cast those people in those roles it made perfect sense to me um, I was like yes why wouldn't you cast those people in those roles um, but I just never got around to seeing it before she's Julianne Moore is absolutely brilliant in it yeah really good yeah she she always is like no matter yeah, what I see her in I just think I just think she's one of the top 
top tier actors going. Um, yeah, great. Um, are we back with you, Paul? I think so. Yeah. Number two, yeah. Number two, go for it. Okay. So I'm going to be a bit controversial here. Ooh. And I'm going to present something to you as an idea, as a concept, if you will. Okay. Okay. So in terms of an adaptation, I'm going to choose The Shining, but watch it with Dr. Sleep. So okay. watch it as an end-to-end concept. Okay. Okay. So Shining... A lot of people know The Shining, 1980 film, great. Jack Nicholson, very, very uh, iconic. Here's Johnny. Um, family uh, alone in a hotel and and, and, and and the hotel's haunted. It's it's, it's oozing uh, evil and then it, it, it affects him. Um, he's a recovering alcoholic and and I think that is a, is a theme in there on, on Stephen King's, you know, from Stephen King's point of view, written, written that way. Um, and then, and then it does differ from the book. And I think Stephen King had also said that it, he wasn't happy with the way that uh, Stanley Kubrick had, had adapted it. Quite, I think there's some things they couldn't shoot either, um, perhaps because of, of the effect. But you know, the, I love I love The Shining. It's, it's a great film. I love the way the way it's filmed and the music, very atmospheric. And Doctor Sleep read the book of this. Uh, film before I saw the film obviously uh, not obviously but uh, I did uh, and, and the film is, is again is very very faithful to, to that um, but tailored slightly so that the two make sense together and I think Stephen King's sort of re- reconciled that and I think he's even on, 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 the, on the bonus features talking about that saying it, it, it kind of makes sense now and, and, and I like the way that it's been done and the story has been the ending of uh, of one film has been tweaked just to sort of reflect an ending that he didn't get in the first film. But Doctor Sleep is essentially a vampire film. Yeah, it's, there's, 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 a, there's a series of you know some vampires. All of my vampire films, and, and 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 but it's got the it's a follow-on direct sequel with with Ewan McGregor playing the young boy Danny Torrance from the first film from the first story, and and and, and what happened to him, and what you know he had these 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 powers. Called the Shining and, and what that means in, in in a wider sense, and I think it really, yeah it was, it's a bit of, it's, it's a love letter to the original. Certainly, Mike Flanagan's directed it that way. Feels Rebecca Ferguson's great as as the as the, as the big bad rolls rolls the hat in that film, and 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 Kaylee uh, Kaylee Cooper I think as as Abra Stone um, is a great actor. This little girl who's got psychic powers and identifies with with with, with the older. Danny Torrance, um, I love you and McGregor. And anyway, he's great, great in films. And and, and they say the, the, the two back to back, I think are great. And I, 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 I've read I've read The Shining as well, and, and know what sort of missing missing there. And it, this again does a great job of sort of filling in the filling in the gaps. Um, so I, I would recommend you know watching watching them together if you like as a as a as an ensemble. It's what one story? So that adaptation, yeah. Is- Two films tied together, uh, two yeah. two halves of the whole. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll accept yeah. that. Um, it's you know, uh, it's cheating. It's cheating. Um, it's not Is cheating. It? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, I, I I make the rules, so I say you're fine. I say you're good. No, well, that sounds that sounds good. I'm a massive fan of The Shining. Again, this is another one I've just not got round to, but I heard good things about it. I, I did manage to see both it films. Um, I, I preferred part one to part two personally, but um, but like everything you've said makes me again want to go out and view that, and and I, I'd like to see how it kind of 
Because I, I, doesn't he kind of use the hotel as a kind of almost like a weapon, almost? Or a, a... Yes. Yeah. Yes. He goes back, goes back to the Overlook and, and sort of picks up really uh, where he left off. The, you know, the hotel is never used again in the, in the movie world after, after the events of the first film. So it's, de- it's derelict and he has to go and wake up the hotel as, wow. as, as part of this. And, 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 and again, there's flashbacks and they use another actor to, 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 to fill in for, for Jack Nicholson, who's obviously retired by now, you know, made in 2019. There's a director's cut of the film as well, which is really good. The music, it's the same music. So you've got the same atmosphere uh, bleeding across from one film to the other, but it's not a cheesy rip-off. It, it, it blends really well. They've spent big on it, um, but, it but it's great. And, um, you know, again, it's, it's a different type of film as well. One's, you know, this, this is, you know, there's vampires, but there's also a bit of a mystery and, and a bit of a bit of a um you know they're on the run um and looking for you know trying to understand what these true not people uh these vampires are after and it's it's it's, it's great that it's, it's nice to see how they tie, tie up some of the some of the evil from the first film is in the is in the second film nice it? nice well I, i'd love to see all the kind of easter eggs and and references and links between the two like i, I i've been me i have been meaning to watch it again just not found the time but it sounds sounds amazing have you, have you seen it dennis um i've started it but um you mcgregor's accent just annoys the hell out of me <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it, it almost it's it's like house you know, one minute it's right. kind of like deep South American, then it's gruff American, then it's this American, then it, just do Scottish because I think you can do that. Um, so I've watched, I've started watching it twice and not managed because he just that accent irritates me. Go on, his accent is irritating, isn't it? Yeah, well, I don't think it, it doesn't bug me as much, but I know what you mean. If, you, if you, it's like bad artwork in a comic film, in a comic book, sorry, if, if, if something like that disturbs you or it just takes you out of the film, then then you you, you struggle yeah, to get back I just, in. Yeah, I, yeah. I, and that's. But what you've just said kind of makes me want to watch it um, again. I, I I like The Shining. I think it's a great movie. I don't think it's a Stephen King movie. I think it's a Kubrick and Nicholson movie. Um, I think if you take them out of the equation, it's a completely different movie. Um, so it'd be nice to kind of watch that as a bookend as well. But I just need to get over. McGregor's crap accent. It's almost worse than his um, Lumiere in Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> well, that film, that film is just total dog shit anyway. Regardless, whether whoever's in it, but it's just awful. But that was that's the worst Disney remake I've seen. Just horrific. Daniel, it's a tale as old as time. Yeah, and it, <laughs> it's a song as old exactly, as right. Exactly. It, and it's a tale you didn't need to tell again in such a bad way. And again. Add, adding nothing to it, making it two hours, but feeling like there's less. How is that even? Well, what do they say? If it's not Baroque, don't fix it. <laughs> just, just on the side note, um, Beauty and the Beast Christ. is my favorite animation movie of all time. It's definitely is my it? favorite Disney. Yeah. Definitely my favorite Disney. Yeah, Beauty and the Beast is my favorite. I, I've, I've got the soundtrack. I watch it all the time. I cried at the end of it first time I saw it. Love it. Move on. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Right. Well, uh, we've we've talked about um, we've talked about Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> so, um, moving on from the Overlook Hotel, I'm going to talk about another hotel, um, which has an evil fucking room, as Samuel Jackson likes to put it. Um, this film is 1408 um, with uh, John Cusack and Samuel Jackson. It's kind of an extended cameo of Samuel Jackson, but it's about guess what? An alcoholic writer. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, and uh, and he's having he's 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 had a severe like his, his child has died. He's have he's having doubts about you know he wants to know that there's something else after life. Uh, there is an afterlife. Um, so he goes around. He goes to haunted locations, and then he writes books about them. And even though he's gone to all these locations, around these spooky tales. Um, Nothing ever scary has ever happened there. Nothing has ever been, nothing has ever occurred. So, so he's kind of still searching for that, uh, still hoping because again, he was having a bit of a crisis of faith. His daughter, I think, died of cancer. Um, and he finds this room and this hotel is like, you're not going in this room. You're literally, we, this is boarded up. And he's like, no, no, I want a book for this room. And it becomes this thing. And he's like, he's got to get in the room. He's got to, he's got a book. And he's like, he's like, if you don't give me that room, we'll, you know, the, the company he works for, like we can sue them if they don't give you that specific room. And Samuel Jackson's like, you really want to go in that room and tells him the story, all these natural deaths, all these suicides, all the things that have taken place. And he's like, he's like haunted. No, it's an evil fucking room. It's just evil. It's pure evil. Um, and he stays the night and it's the most tumultuous night he's ever had. And it is very much, there is a, there is something very much the shining about it. Um mm. And there is like there's lots of disturbing imagery. There's lots of stuff happen. Um, you know, he has these flashbacks. He lives. He lives a whole parallel, different life. At one point, he um, the temperature changes. He damages the room, but then it, it comes back. And it's it's almost like a time loop movie as well because everything gets put back after an hour. So everything goes no matter what's happened in the room. Once that hour's done, it'll reset and the music, some music plays again. Um, I think it's the Carpenters, actually. I think it's We've Only Just Begun. Um, and and yeah, you have only just begun with this film because the second that that music plays, you're in for a kind of spooky, disturbing kind of roller coaster. And like John Cusack is he's one of he is one of my favorite actors. He's a very understated actor. Um, but he brings a lot to this, to this very, you know, you spend almost all your time with John. Cusack and he carries the film like absolutely carries this film um and I don't think a lot of other actors could do that um but it's fascinating it's it's interesting it's disturbing it's heartbreaking and it and it grabs you you know uh, like the loss of a child and stuff and the breakdown of a marriage and and all this other stuff that's that's going on among all this other spooky goings on um I will say this um I watched the director's cut which I think has a worse ending um, I I was speaking to an ex-girlfriend who knew I was she saw on Facebook I was watching it and she said you need to watch the theatrical ending. Um and the theatrical ending is better. There's more there's more of a re- it's more of a kind of a resolution for the character. The the director's cut has kind of some weird stuff and some off off-kilter acting and a and a and a shit kind of jump scare at the end. Um but yeah. the, the theatrical ending, if no matter I think the only one the on DVD and Blu-ray, I think the director's cut is the only one available but the theatrical cut the ending the theatrical cut ending is on youtube so i do recommend going back and watching that after the film and i think you most people will agree the theatrical cut is the ending is better and and it just works more kind of the character arc is more complete um yeah but but it's really good it's really really good and it was it was really entertaining um and again very underrated another one um but again, this is the one that's like again, it's a bit goofy here and there, but it, it definitely you know will sink its teeth into you and grab you. Um, so yeah, I, I absolutely loved fourteen oh eight. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but 
I think I saw it when it, you know, when it maybe first came out on TV or video or, or whatever. It was a long while ago. I don't have any negative memories of it. I, I, yeah. think I remember quite liking it. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, it's not one I've been back to, so maybe I need to go back to that one. Yeah, I'd, I'd give it. I'd, it. I'd give it a go. I think there's there's definitely something for for somebody in there for everybody. I think there's there's something mm. you can you can like or enjoy. You know, even if it's a personal journey or if it's the scary stuff. Um, yeah. But yeah, what about you, Dennis? Have you seen a, it? Yeah. Don't like it. Don't like it. No. Nah. Nah, not at all. I think it's dull, dull as dishwater. Yeah. Well, to each their own. <laughs> Paul, were you going to say something else? Sorry. I was going to say. Um, it's it's like another one sort of uh, some of the some of the stories are a little bit twisted tale, you know. There's that room you shouldn't go in that room. I think there used to be a, a I can't remember which, which book it was quite villain growing up. There was a, there was a, was one about room thirteen, you know, hmm. in a hotel. I think it's, it's sim- you know there is a bit of something like that in the, in the Shining with the room yeah. two three. So don't go in that room. Yeah, you know, and there's, there's evil in the room. So yeah, that sort of thing is is, is pretty cool. That's another reason I like his stuff. So yeah. Very, very good. A lot, a lot of evil lurking somewhere, but mm. you've, got, you've got to go and find the evil because that's not a story if you don't. Um, yes, followed <laughs> up. Um, what's John Cusack and Samuel Jackson followed that up with another Stephen King spectacular, Cell. Yeah, I heard that wasn't so great. Well, it makes 1408 look like a masterpiece. <laughs> okay, all right then. Well, I might need to watch that now. Isn't it? Isn't it the mobile phones turn people into zombies? Is that it? Yeah, it's so shit. Fucking it's so hell. bad. Like, like uh, talk about your, talk about your heavy-handed metaphors. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Ugh. it's terrible. Yeah, probably not. I know you're number two then. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Anyway, sorry. <clears throat> Um, yeah, I guess um, are we we're back with you then, Dennis. Yeah, we got another. We one? are, yes, we are. Okay. Um, this is probably is this your my, last one? Well, yeah, because I had Silver Bullet, had so Silver this will be my last one. Okay. Um, my probably my one of my favorite movies as well as adaptation. It's The Mist. Ooh, oh, cool! It's so good. Okay, the effects don't stand up particularly well but it's such it, the monsters are almost like a side thing it's it's a very people driven story it's more how everyone kind of deals with what's going on and how they shift backwards and forwards um and it, the basic premise is the massive storm um this mist comes in and um the, the main protagonist tom jane disappears into um um because shopping and then this mist comes this guy runs and says no no something in the mist or something in the mist they're like yeah whatever uh, and it's basically the mist is kind of full of these creatures like big flies and monsters and um, it's quite gory in places as well um, but I think I think it's more relevant now than it was when it came out I think the way they turn on themselves very quickly. The way they separate into two or three little little sank, you know, little nests, really. Um, and the monsters are not as scary as actual people. That's mm. what I get from it, anyway. Um, mm. And it has one of the best drab endings of any movie I've ever <laughs> seen. As the ending for Rocky. me <laughs> is is just 
it's draw dropping. Um, and it also kind of, you know, look at it today into, with coronavirus today, it's almost like they shut the door after the horses got out. It's very similar, you know. Yeah. They've waited for all these creatures to do what they were doing and then they clear it up. I mean, how, how many people do you see filming filming people in supermarkets refusing refusing them to let them in because they're not wearing masks? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I look, and all the characters are great in it. Every single character is brilliant in it. The, I can't remember the lady's name, the, the religious note in it. Yeah, um, you, want, you want to hit her, don't you? <laughs> yeah, oh, and she's brilliant. Yeah, and the, and 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 her kind of um, end is pretty cool as well. Um, but it is, you know, you've got a bit of racism in there. You got a bit of kind of like class issues. You think you're better than me because you got more money because you're educated. You've got the religious aspect in there. You've got mm-hmm. the kind of um, classing when it comes to jobs. You you just work in a supermarket. You don't. And also got this conspiracy that the government are trying to clean, you know, trying to trying to cover up this dimensional thing that they did. Um, and even at the end, when 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 the soldiers are kind of appearing, um, no one consoles him. No one goes up to him and says, "Are you all right?" They just walk on by. Yeah, I know they do, don't they? Yeah. So, I I it's I think it's brilliant. I watched it again recently with with Sir and Amy, and Amy could not believe the ending. <laughs> she was like. It's- <laughs> Oh my god! No spoilers. Um, no spoilers. No, it is, no. It's a bit of a downer. I'll, I'll say that. Yeah, it is. It is bit. a bit of a downer, but I think it's necessary. Mm. I think it kind of reinforces what all the moves about. Like I'll, I'll go back to my original point. It's a character-driven story. The monsters and stuff in there is great. I love a good monster movie, as you all know. But it's the way people are. It's the mm. way what happens when push comes to shove. How do we deal with it? You know do we help each other do we do this do we do that do we not help that person because of the color of the skin do we not help that person because it's fe- because she's female do we not help that person because it's a child and it, all this happens in a supermarket similar to kind of like you know um zombie movies and the, those sort of stuff it's it is a character driven story and um i think it shines a light very much on today's society as much as it did when it came out yeah that was deep situation. for me wasn't it yeah yeah it was they're, they're in a situation, aren't they? They've got to, they've got to deal with, haven't they? And, and they yeah. get, like that sort of film, like zombie films, you, you know, it brings out the, the worst in people. Yeah, oh, it, it's kind people. of, it's, yeah, it's not the best film in the world, but kind of where was he? You know, the, the first, how, how that escalates so quickly, you know, the, the attacking people in supermarkets and things and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, in, in Mr. are willing to let certain people go, you know, mm-hmm. because they're not, they're not worth it. You know, these people can go. You know, and I, I just find it more now. I've watched it. I like I, said, I watched it this week. I think more now. I just I think it's more relevant today in what's happening in the world today than it was when it came out. I think it's one of those movies that everybody should watch. The series is okay, not as kind of gripping, um, obviously because they're doing it over different episodes. A bit more backstory, but the movie I love and all the performances are great. I would highly recommend anyone to watch it. I, I I love it as well. I think it's amazing. I love the kind of Lovecraftian aspect to it, that, that there's all this horrific evil and things we could not even possibly imagine, this indescribable evil just beyond the veil, just slightly beyond the veil, this very thin veil. Um, yeah, it's great. Great character piece. Great designs on the monsters as well, the creatures. Um, yeah, love it a bit. It's Tom Jane's great. All the characters yeah. are great. 
Um, you know, Frank Frank Darabont's done a lot of these kind of Stephen King adaptations. He's a, ba- a big fan. Did Shawshank, Green Mile. Um, you know, big, he, he did The Walking Dead as well. Um, I think they did a Miss series as well. I didn't see. Yeah, it. it's it's okay. It's, I think it's on um, Netflix. But what's what's really it gives you the sign very early on because when it's going through because he's um, the Tom Jane character, he does movie posters and he goes through and there's it um, and the thing. And, you know, you know, that's almost like a bit of nod and a wink what's going to happen. Mm. The worst scene for me is the spiders. Ooh, yeah. Or in the pharmacy. Yeah, I'm not a big fan <laughs> <Yeah>. of spiders. <laughs> so I did, did, didn't like that a lot. When those, when those movies you start watching with your feet on the floor and by the time they come out, they're up on the on, on the sofa with you <laughs> kind of thing. But no, I, I, I absolutely love it. And I, I enjoyed it as much, if not more recently watching it than, than I did when I watched it when I was younger. Amazing. That's a great Amazing. Thing. Fantastic choice, and it's one of my favourites as well. Mm. Um, okay, so I guess it's, uh, it's your last one, Paul. Is that right? I think it's my my number one with a with a bullet, not a silver bullet. Um, again, this one may not be a lot of people's number one, but it's my number one because it sticks with me, uh, and, and it has done. Uh, is is 1979's Salem's Lot, Tobe Hooper's Salem's Lot, which first aired in 1981 in the UK as a TV two-parter. And that's when I saw it. I was eight. Uh, I think my mum used to watch it in the TV, you know, in the daytime. No, it's, it's, my mum would not watch this film today. Uh, but, um, but yeah, uh, it scared the living crap out of me. As, as a young as a youngster, couldn't sleep. Uh, but it's one of them I've gone back to. I've got a soft spot for it, uh, for sure. Um, and again, you know, not the best in terms of, Visual effects, there's, there's no real gore in it. It's a vampire film about a small town, Jerusalem's lot. Um, it's more about the, the town and the people in the town as well um, than just the vampire. So so yeah, there's, a, there's a guy there, the main character played by David Soul, goes back to the, a, a town he grew up in um, to write about this house, this house called the Marsden House. The Marsden House, I think they spent $170,000 on it. On a, on, a, on, on a set for this Martin house, which overlooks the town of Salem's Lot. Um, and then, and then uh, you know, James Mason as a mysterious Mr. Straker, who's, who's, who's opened up this shop in town and is waiting for his partner, Mr. Barlow, to come over from overseas. Uh, so they've opened this antique shop and, and it sort of starts to, you know, bring everybody in from the town in, into this sort of, this, uh, this 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 setting where 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 there is there is basically a vampire a vampire infestation happening, um, and uh, yeah, the, the music's very suspenseful. You know, it's, again, it's probably aged a little bit, but and, and there's, there's some nice little jump scares in there. I think, uh, which I think if you watch it back now, it's probably where they had the ad breaks. Or the, I'd cert- I know certainly between part one and part two, there was it was definitely a jump scare involving a, a kid in a in, in a coffin who sits up. Ah. Um, but it is, uh, you know, it's, it, it, it's not completely like the book. I think that the 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 last part of of the of the of the film uh, it, it wraps up a lot quicker. The the book is. The, the, the main the main bad guy this Mr Barlow the main vampire um, it, it's more embellished in the book he's, a, he's actual a talking character in in the film he's a very silent character very looks like like Nosferatu um, but there's a lot of a lot of good aspects that taken directly from the book a lot of you know 
dialogue directly translated from the book into the film. Um, and and yeah, no, I've got a real real soft spot for it. It, it, it. It's just great watching this town sort of get taken over. Some real iconic moments in there. Vampires at the window again, being parodied in lots of things. Probably, I think I'm sure I've seen it. The Simpsons, I've seen it. In lots of lots of lots of things. Uh, there's um, you know the, the vampires themselves. Uh, these horrible orange glowing eyes and and a really creepy. Again, you don't see gushes of blood, but you just they're terrifying. And, uh, and that's the sort of thing that used to keep me awake at, at night. Great choice there, Paul. Um, I, I watched Salem's Lot recently because I, I had a feeling, I had an inkling that you might pick this. So I thought I'd better see this. I love the work of Toby Hooper. Um, I, I'll be honest, I don't think uh, I like this as much as you do, um, but I can appreciate some of the stuff in it. Um, I appreciate the design of the vampire and the the look, the kind of almost like blue, the kind of like this this blue colour. I love the kid scratching at the window. I thought that was really effective. I love the bit where the vampire just pops up between the two people at the dinner table and bangs their heads together. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Just absolutely bizarre. Um, you know, I, I love that slowly but surely the town are all getting turned and and you've got, um, oh, God, James Mason, um, who's like yeah. the, the vampire's familiar, who's doing all the jobs for him and stuff. Um, I love that. I think he's really good in it. It's pretty pretty much brilliant in everything. Um, and you've got um, John McClane's wife's in it as well, and David Soul yeah. gives her some soul um, down by the lake. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, <laughs> it, it's, it's very 70s. I will say that. It's very... Very simple. yeah, it's obvious. It's obvious age. So of its time, it's obvious, yeah. Obvious time. Um, yeah, but I yeah, think, that's it. And I think for me, it was a for me, it was kind of like a pacing issue a lot of the time. And mm. you know, obviously, this is this was meant to be a mini series. This was meant to be for TV. It was meant to be episodic. So I, I think that because I watched it in one big chunk, I was like. It's not. It's not something you kind of feel like you binge. I know it's not. People. It's been put together as a full film, but it's. I'd say there's a lot of kind of. There's a few lulls here and there, but um, but I I appreciate what it was trying to say, and I enjoyed the performances and some of the actors in it are great. Um, I think it's George uh, Zunzer who plays the abusive guy, the abusive husband. He's great. In oh it. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's good yeah. and various other characters as well. Um, but yeah, I, I had a lot. I had a lot of fun with it. But again, I don't think it's one of my favourites. Um, but I can see, like, again, it's stuff when you get when something grabs you at a young age and like gets its hooks into you. You know, you can't really forget it. It kind of informs who you are in a way, mm. um, and it's clearly informed your love of Stephen King and the love of all these books and adaptations and his work on the whole. You can see that through just this little inkling of this film um, and your love for it as well. Mm. Yeah. Um are you a fan are you a fan, Dennis? Yeah, I like Sam's a lot. Yeah. It's um I know the first time I saw it, it was it was cut as one movie. Mm. Um mm. so I think it was like two hours something. Um and then I saw it later on as in the two separate kind of episodes. Um but I I completely get what you're saying with the kind of when you watch something and it kind of starts molding who you are. Now, for me, it was Hammer Horror and Universal Horror. Um, and that's kind of got me into horror. I love horror. And I get this. It's very it's very similar. I, I watched some of it recently. I don't think it's aged very well. Hmm. Like you're saying it's very much of its time. But having said hmm. that, I go back and watch movies 
which haven't aged very well and absolutely adore them. Um, so I'm not going to say anything negative about this because it's, you know, it's a very personal thing, those films that kind of um, mould who you are. And I think it's, it is is one of those films. I think I think for me, I think my kind of gateway to kind of horror was Predator because it was, mm. it's basically like, it was like a gateway drug. It was kind of like, it's an Arnie action movie. It can't be scary, surely. It can't be, you know, it's it's not going to be, it's just him shooting a gun, surely. No, it's this terrifying, invisible alien dreadlocks creature hunter coming after you and the like and i was way too young and i I wanted to watch it though i was like i want to watch this and i was like in bed like oh my god he's probably in here right now he's gonna get me um you you know you can always you're always protected once you put the covers over your head so it's fine that's your little force field so uh, and it is it's like it's it is i used to stay up i was talking to one of my mates about it recently and it was um Sunday night used to be Hammer Night on BBC Two. So there was an introduction and they watched two Hammer movies. And then on, um, I think it was on a Friday night on Channel 4, they used to have um, Universal. So that's why. And, you know, the first time I saw Chris Lee in Dracula with those teeth and those red eyes, I pooed a little bit. Um, but it does stay with you. You know, they might not age particularly well. Um, people might say, well, the shit compared to standards today, because I think a lot of people are spoon-fed stuff back then. This was proper scary stuff. This is what people. This is what kept people up at night, and the fact it was accessible to eight-year-olds, yeah, was just amazing. <laughs> Great. Yeah, I think we had. I think my mum had recorded it, and she'd be watching it through the day. <laughs> I'd be like, and I just, you know, you're not supposed to stand and watch it, but I'd just find myself standing. Don't stand. Don't watch it. It's not for you. And then, you know, as soon as I could, watch me. I'm, I'm watching well, it. The, the my my gateway to horror was The Exorcist. Mm. Right. Which is still my favorite movie of all time. Yeah, yeah. So go. that that was that that movie I can pinpoint had such an effect on me, N- not just because it was scary, but the, the the music and the the kind of undertones and the the it, the whole setting of it just kind of I thought it was absolutely brilliant. And from that moment onwards, I've always mm. loved horror, even shit horror. I love. Hmm. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, right, yeah, that's that was nice. That was a nice little segue. Watch, we had. Never, never watch the sequel. By the way, don't go there. Just, oh really? Be, yeah, yeah. I think this. All, all the remake. This, I, I never watched it. I never watched yeah. it. But they are uh, the, making the, a new one. Apparently. Yeah. Well, they done. They, they did um, an a, a two part, didn't they? Um, in I think it was ninety six. Um, yeah, I think you're right. Is it um, Donald Sutherland's in it? Hmm. Right. Is Rob Lowe in it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's shite. Yeah. Is it? Yeah, it's poop. Oh well. Oh well. Um, we'll see. We'll see what comes out. I, I remember the last thing I heard about Salem's Lot, the remake, was that Ben Affleck was attached, but I don't think that's the case anymore. But who knows? Who knows what'll happen? Um, right. So I guess it's just me then with my last one. I'm gonna go with probably probably my favorite um Stephen King adaptation, and it is the original Pet Cemetery. Um, yeah, it's it's again a very personal tale, a very kind of heartbreaking family story. Um, it's about a doctor who moves with his young family um, in into Maine, uh, and there's this lovely. We've got this lovely kind of house, um, but they live right next to this horrific road that's just got loads of trucks tearing down it. Um, you know, way too fast. Um, and you've got this lovely old fella who lives lives over the road. Um, 
lovely, nice, kind guy. Played played by the I can't remember the actor's name off the top of my head, but he's the guy from the Munsters who yeah. played the dad in the Munsters. Um, and he's the best thing in this film by far. He's brilliant. Um, and you know, is it? You know, it's not it's not a Stephen King film unless someone does a main accent, and I think his is probably the best I've heard uh, of people doing main accents. Where he's like, sometimes dead is better, you know, that sort of thing, and and he's fantastic. Um, so the the premise is the there is a pet cemetery not too far from uh, from the road because there's a lot of uh, <laughs> there's a lot of uh, uh, dogs and cats that get run over. Um, <laughs> You can hear Paul's dog right now. Um, yeah. he's, all, he's obviously he's obviously terrified. Um, speaking of dead dogs, uh, it's probably my voice. It's probably my voice. That's my voice. Yeah, dog. <laughs> so uh, anyway, I'll carry on. I'll carry on. Uh, and uh, basically, there is a, a pet cemetery that kids have have made and created to bury these dead pets. But then, just beyond the pet cemetery. Just beyond the pet cemetery, there is an Indian burial ground, a Native American burial ground, um, which if you bury someone in that dirt, um, they will rise from the dead, uh, be it any pet or human being, any living thing will rise. But they won't come back quite right. They come back in a kind of reanimated zombie, evil zombie form. Um, probably a bit more than zombie. They're kind of, they're quite, they've still got the faculties about them, but they're just pure evil. Um, and it's it's so there's a bit of goofiness to it. It's a bit, there's a bit kind of there's a bit of campness again to it, but the the main driving story of this is that the little boy, the doctor's little boy gets run over by a truck which is utterly devastating. And it's not, again, it's like it's played so seriously and it's like I couldn't think of anything worse, like the death of a child, such a young child as well, um, this horrible accident. And it affects the entire family. It affects everybody. Um, you know, there's, there's even a fucking punch-up at the funeral and the casket goes flying and the baby falls out of it. It's horrific horrible horrible stuff and really doesn't shy away from those kind of intense emotions and the and the darkness of this story um but uh the the guy the old guy next door tells them about um a burial ground first the the cat gets killed and and the little girl doesn't want the cat the daughter to be upset so he's he tells him about bringing the cat back and the cat comes back but it's it's just a bit of a an arsehole cat but that's not not a big deal really most cats are assholes anyway um but he he says you should never bury it. There's never been a person buried up there and should never bury one. But then there was somebody buried up there and and they didn't come back quite right and they had to kill him, um, burn this house down. And then it's he buries the his baby, his toddler up there and the toddler comes back. And I love creeper killer, creepy killer kid movies or killer kid movies. And this is one of the scariest, killer kids i've ever seen and it's so well acted the the toddler is one of the best actors i've ever seen in my life it's so intimidating so disturbing uh and you believe every second of it like when he's, sl- he's slashing his mum with a with a scalpel and things like that you're like this is so messed up and he's and he's throwing the baby around the room you know there's a bit of like that evil dead sense of humor to it sometimes where i'm kind of like i'm kind of laughing at it but but there's still that that overarching, just dark, gothic horror tale uh, throughout, and 
it. Um, I'm going to say this as well. Much like Salem's Not, Salem's Lot, do not watch the sequel. It is horrific, like in a bad way. <laughs> is it? I don't think they're going to gone there. Yeah, it's got um, it's got Edward Furlong from Terminator films in it, and it's just bad. It's just really bad. And I think it's by the it might be by the same director as well. I'm not sure, but yeah, don't bother. Um, I've not seen the remake, so I can't can't question can't say anything about. I've seen the remake. I enjoyed yeah. the I actually enjoyed the remake. It was good. Yeah, it was, it was good. Yeah, it's good it take bit, on it. Bit, it's like, yeah, it's like twist on the on the first first story, all of the, the first version of the original book. So it's, yeah, it's good. Amazing. I recommend it if you if you're not jaded by it and you like that. No, I'm up. I'm open to it. I'm. I'm definitely. I'll give it a chance. Um, very much so. Like Carrie and all the other remakes, I'll give them a go. Um, you know, when I get the chance. Um, I, I take it you've seen it, Dennis. I have. Yeah, Are you a fan? <sighs> um, I see it differently to you. Okay. I see it as a life lesson for a stupid dad. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Because no matter how many times, no matter how many times he's told to not do something, he does it. Very early on, watch your kid on that road. Yeah, of course I will. No, I'm not. Don't go bury stuff in that. I'm going to do it. Church comes back. Why is eyes glowing? Oh, it's all fine. Don't worry about it. Everything's going to be great. So for me, it's 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 a story of how not to be a parent. It's a bit. It's. I think that's with a lot of horror movies. It's like you know that that don't go up the stairs, bitch. That type of thing. But it, it it's kind of like it gets his comeuppance in the end for being stupid. Yeah. If he if the, okay, it's, and I know it's a stupid thing to say, but if he'd listened to the guy right at the beginning, the kid wouldn't have got run over. Yeah, the ghost. The ghost. The guy. Yeah. The the guy who tries to save the bike. Yeah. The, so uh, the cyclist. It's a busy road now. Me, Paul, both parents. Would you let your kid run on that road? Absolutely not. Absolutely Even not. after an EMS? <laughs> well, the cat's gone, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, so I, 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 I tend to, I, I, I look at it differently than, than you. I get what you're saying about it, Dan, but I just think it's, I think the characters, I, I, his wife's great in it, Um, the old guy's great in it, the kid, I agree with you, is, is, is fab, good scary makeup and stuff, but it's just a stupid dad who, you know, in the end gets what he, what he deserves for being an absolute knob. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, that, that's your take. I mean, you guys, are, I, I have no experience being a dad. So I, you know, uh, I am still an idiot. So it's fine. Uh, <laughs> I'm allowed to be. I can be, I can be. Yeah, it. It's, it, you don't have to be an idiot. If you, if you, would you walk out on the M62? No. <laughs> exactly. Why wouldn't you do that, Dan? I will would you say, be next I will, to it? <laughs> they must have got a great deal on that house they must have got a great deal I, I just don't know why there wasn't already a fence surely there's been enough problems being that close to the road why isn't there like a little picket fence like that's that's a perfect kind of house for a picket fence and they don't have one and I'm yeah and the, the warning signs are there it's an Indian burial ground don't do it my cat's come back alive and it's slightly glowy and not particularly nice to stroke anymore no. I know what I'll do. I just, I it, it, is he Lewis? Is that what his, his dad's called? Is it Lewis? I can't, I can't remember. A Louis or something. Yeah. God, no. The ending's good. Mm, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I like the ending because, you know, he deserves everything he gets, the stupid bastard. 
I think, again, I saw this when I was quite young. I think it was like a Channel 5, 9 o'clock type thing. Um, and I just caught it and it just really grabbed me again when I was when I was younger. And it's, you know, you know, it's 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 a flawed film. I don't think it's perfect. Um, but I think there's enough good stuff in it that it kind of, you can kind of forgive those flaws a little bit. Um, I agree with you with the sequel. Oh, my God. Oh, it's bad. Um, oh. my, I will say my favourite line in it, in the sequel, is... Uh, why did you, why did you dig up my uh, my wife? Um, let's call him Clarence. Why did you get, dig up my wife, Clarence? And he goes, "Cause I wanted to fuck her." That's that's the that's Clancy Brown as well, who I love, yeah. uh, and he'll yeah. make he'll make anything good. But even that film was was oh just atrocious, terrible, terrible, terrible. Yeah, I didn't I didn't particularly like the remake either, Paul. Did you not? No, no. Well, I mean, I, the, 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 the dad's written the same way, isn't it? He's yeah, doing the same yeah. stupid things. But, but I uh, like, is it John Lithgow? Yes. Yeah. He's he's brilliant in it. He's really good. And there's a bit on the stairs which makes me cringe, you know, with mm. the knife. Um, Ooh, but, yeah. But I, yeah, but again, I just think it's, I don't know, obviously we can look at movies all the time and say, don't do that. Don't go upstairs. Why is it when a murderer comes in the house, you always run upstairs, there's nowhere mm. to go. I get that. But to me, the dad's just stupid. You know, he mm. almost, he deserves what he gets in the end. Um, yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, so before we finished, um, I've got a few. Uh, I've got some honourable mentions. I don't know if you guys have got honourable mentions. I can tell you the ones I don't like. <laughs> no, it, oh, no, it's in the film. Yes, we don't want dishonourable mentions, Dennis. We want we're after honourable mentions. Well, I'll, I'll um, tell you, I've, I've got. You've mentioned all the ones that I had for honourable mentions, apart from one film which I quite enjoyed recently, The Graveyard Shift. Um, yes, which brilliant. Is, which is really fun. It's very cheesy, very 90s. Um, you know, it's all about a rat infestation. Um, I have a personally have a mouse problem in my flat, um, so I can very much identify with those characters. But then what, what else is down there is a giant vampire bat. Uh, oh, God. Uh, Brad Dourif, who Chucky of Chucky fame, he gives this amazing Vietnam monologue about how much he hates rats. Um, and you've got the main villain and it's got a great, another great main accent as well. Um, yeah, great fun. Great fun, that one. So give that one a watch. Dark Half. Dark Half. That's a great one. Yeah. George A. Romero, that one, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. When he wasn't making yeah. zombie movies, he found time to do this. Um, again, it's, it's, you know, writer who's struggling type stuff. But it's, um, mm. again, it's loopy fun. Um and, and, again, and again, would you say it's the director's vision more so than Stephen King's work? Yeah, I would say so. I think that's that, I think that's the thing with, with a lot of these um, movies. I, th- I think, I, I, like I said on the opening, I do feel that writers and producers find it hard to adapt his his words. Hmm. Um, and I know Stephen doesn't like it when they change his stories, but I think sometimes it's needed because they are they are very very thick and. Sometimes it doesn't need all that in there. Sometimes um, some things in a book won't work on screen. Like that's no, why no. that's why they're adaptations. They they just some things don't translate as well. Um, you know, from text, from prose to a script to on screen, it, it's it. There needs to be a little bit of of you know fluidity, a little bit of you know that there has to be a bit of a moving of the goalpost to to get that into a like a visual presentation sort of thing. What about the Mangala? Um, I've I've not seen it, so I've not, I've not no, seen no, the Mangler. No, I've well, heard, um, I've heard it's, it's not it's, good. It's not good, but it's that bad. It's good category. 
the mangler okay yeah it's it's you got um robert england as the campist guy runs this factory and some drugs in the factory get inside the mangler that brings it alive so basically the the, the I think it's diet pills or something. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's worth watching for Robert England because he's he's proper camping it up and he's really good in it. Um but those those would be the ones I would say. Yeah. Um all the rest you you kind of covered yourselves. Hmm. Well, a couple what about I'd you? say yeah. Yeah. Um I think one that didn't quite make a list but was very close was uh Creep Show. Yes. The Romero one. Hmm. Um this is a selection of small tales. Again, some of those scared the crap out of me. There's a werewolf one. There's a there's, a, there's, a, there's an alien. Uh, in, uh, Father's Day, the meteorite. zombie Father's yeah. Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's a, one of the bugs. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a nice selection of little short stories uh, that twisted tales. I, yeah. I like that. Yeah, it's yeah. great. Yeah, I, I love. Um, it. My favorite one is the Leslie Nielsen one. That's my favorite one. Yeah, that's that's a great one. Something to tide you over. I think it's called. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. And then uh, and then one that's, you know, what you at your peril, maybe, um, dream catcher. Just that shit crazy. Oh, my God. Absolutely. That yeah. shit. Wasn't that voted one of the worst movies ever? Apparently. I can imagine. <laughs> it's just, that, that's not a recommendation. It's, that's a, it's just, it's just mad. It's, yeah. you know, it's got some, you know, it's got Samuel, yeah, so it's Morgan Freeman, isn't it? Morgan, Morgan Freeman, Freeman, yeah. yeah. Uh, and he's just playing the character you wouldn't, Ever think he would play, and then you know he starts off as this sort of alien something or other, and then just just turns into a sort of know, this massive action flick. It's just it's just bizarre. It's just mm. just the strangest film. Doesn't have a one, you know, doesn't doesn't stick to the what you think it's going to be, and probably should have done. Directed by Lawrence Kasdan. Wow, you know. I mean, is Stephen King seems to draw a lot of good names, doesn't he? Like yeah. his work seems to seems to interest a lot of people. Um, great. So I think there were some nice honourable mentions. Um, I'd like to go on to our listener comments, if I may. Um, so let's go over to Facebook. And Bianca Brannigan, who is a friend from work, um, she says um, her top five is Dolores Claiborne, Secret Window, Secret Garden. Oh, yeah. Um, I think it's called yeah. Secret Window, Secret Garden. Um, the Shining, Stand By Me, Sleepwalker, and Misery. That's her yeah. top five. I think there's some good ones there. Um, Nathan Allen Child says, Stand By Me is my all-time favourite. More recently, I found Outsider to be a good watch. Oh, that's a really good watch. Yeah. That is top, top choice. And Call Me Crazy, but I thoroughly enjoyed In the Tall Grass. Again, not I've not seen those, but they sound they sound pretty yeah. cool. Um, the outsider again is another 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 dimension. It's not it's not typical Stephen King. So okay, yeah, I'll a bit look. of a thriller. Ooh, okay, cool. Um, so moving over to Twitter, we've got uh, Angry Andy reviews at Angry underscore review. He said, "Here's mine, sir. The Shining, The Running Man, The Green Mile, Misery, and The Mist." And he goes, "I know, I know, no Shawshank." <laughs> yeah, it's because it's rubbish. <laughs> some people would agree, some people would disagree. Uh, the Running Man, a lot of people's number one. The Running Man is yeah. an interesting one because it, it was under his, um, it was under his uh, other name, wasn't it? It was under an alias. Uh, what's the Batman. what's the word? Yeah, different. Yeah, I think oh, that's the one. Pseudon, uh, yeah, pseudonym. I think the yeah. Mist was as well. I think I think the Mist was written under a pseudonym. There you go. 
Um, so uh, Tony Farina, so that's at Tricycle Boombox on Twitter. He says, The Dark Half, Christine, Misery, Shawshank Redemption, but number one with a bullet is Stand By Me. I've seen it at least 50 towns. The soundtrack is perfect. Casting is perfect. Nothing is wasted. I love it so much. I was 13 when it came out. Perfect timing. So that's his choice. Yeah, again, another example of you know growing up, growing up with a film and then lo- loving it. You know, exactly. If St- Stephen King grabs you at the right time, he's got that's you. It. Bloody got you. Yeah. Um, so my biggest fan, I am Jack's musings at I am Jack's musings. He says The Shining, Stand by Me, The Running Man, Shawshank Redemption, and The Mist. So there's a lot of a lot of the same ones cropping up again and mm. again, which is a which is a good thing, I think. Um, and Scott Weatherly at Scott Weatherly, he says in no particular order, uh, it from 1990, the Tim Curry one, The Running Man, Christine, Carrie, and Shawshank Redemption. And I'll add a hot take, he says. The Shining is one of the most overrated films ever, apparently. No, that is a hot take. Um, I, you know, Paul likes it. I like it. I feel and the same about Shawshank, though. I have exactly the same thing about Shawshank. I think it's just massively overrated. Cool. I watched it once, but I've never been back to Shawshank. I've been back go. to that. Because if you went back, if you went back, you might not come out, Paul. That's the thing. Yeah, well, that's it, yeah. And even if you did come out, you might... <laughs> Like, am I doing a bit of that? Um, <laughs> Your life but, might be narrated by Morgan Freeman very slowly. <laughs> very slowly. <laughs> Andy Dufresne. <laughs> uh, Paul Miller. I met Paul Miller. <laughs> brilliant. That's my Morgan. That's my best Morgan Freeman. Uh, brilliant. That's really good. <laughs> it's like having him in the room. <laughs> Okay, well, uh, we've we've uh, we've run out of time several times this evening, so we're slowly running out of time now. Um, but this has been fantastic. Thank you very much, guys, for for doing this. Paul, what a great suggestion. I know Dennis disagrees, but I thought it was a good choice. Uh, it's made some interesting discussions, and and I hope people come away and go and watch and or read some more Stephen King. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a been a pleasure. You know, listening to you and Dennis is always great. Being in the middle of it is is is, is, is experience <laughs> piggy piggy in the middle that's great piggy yeah. in the middle no, girls between two thorns <laughs> exactly <laughs> I, I, I would agree with dennis i will agree with dennis it's um, okay at this moment in time i'm cutting out the back pages of all his comics <laughs> um, <It is Dennis. laughs> so I, I know i know dennis isn't currently on social media paul but if people want to find you and and follow you where would they need to go I think you find me mainly on Twitter. I am on Facebook, but I'm at the Mellow Geek on Twitter. That's that's my that's main for so this kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and this is where I think I mostly kind of entertain myself is 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 on is on the Twitter. I do a bit of Instagram, do a bit of Facebook, but it's mostly on the Twitter. I keep. Where do you entertain yourself? <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure about that, mate? <laughs> <laughs> shut, shut up, Dennis. Shut up. <laughs> Right. Um, so, so again, De- nobody wants to find Dennis. Nobody wants to talk to Dennis. We know this. Um, I barely want to talk to Dennis. Um, so, 
Let's talk about my social medias. So you can find me at Secret Bulls on Facebook. It's at Dan underscore on Twitter, uh, at Spider Dan Secret Bulls on Instagram. And when you interact, don't forget to use the hashtag prepare for prattle. And for everything else you need to know about the podcast, swing over to spiderdanandthesecretbulls.com on the World Wide Web to email me, read reviews, and learn how you can support the podcast. Speaking of supporting the podcast, I'd like to thank my patrons, including Paul Mann. I am Jack's Musings, Max Byrne, Tony Farina and Scott Hodgson. Thank you for your continuing donations. It's very much appreciated and helps Prattle World keep on turning. So thank you again, Paul. You're welcome from, from um, me. And your videos, your, your Patreon videos are very good. There we go. Thank see? you very much. And guys, you want you want a bit of secret content, a bit of extra content, a bit of bit more of me, because uh, that's what everybody wants. Get on the Patreon, get subscribed. I'm doing the videos. I'm doing. I'm going to do my own secret podcast as well, even more secret secret balls. Um, so so get on board. Uh, I've only just started them, but I think I think they're pretty good. I think they're all right. They'll do. They'll do. Uh, but yeah, I'm really enjoying them, and and people seem to be really enjoying them that are on my Patreon. So yeah, get involved. Get stuck in. I've got over a hundred podcast now so you've got a lot of material a um, lot of guest spots as well on my website where i've gone on other people's podcasts and there'll be a couple more of those popping up soon um, but this has been fantastic guys you've been amazing i know we've had a few technical issues today um but i think we've 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 persevered we've made it yeah. through we've had dogs barking yeah. we've had we've had bloody zoom going up and down we've had connection issues you name it we've had been on multiple devices but we've done it, we completed it, we made it through the mist, and we made it to the other end where we'll now kill ourselves. Um, <laughs> nice. Yes. Um, <laughs> so uh, so I've been Dan, you've been Paul, you've been Dennis. Um, this has been great. Thank you again so much, guys, for, for you know sparing some time this Sunday evening. I know you've got work in the morning, but this has been brilliant. So... Um, Keep out, keep on doing what you're doing. Keep reading Stephen King and enjoy some of those movies we've recommended. Um, and we will see you next time for another Secret Ball Stories. Goodbye. Bye.